This is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Hey, how you doing? Welcome back to the industry. My name is Levi Jett, alongside co-host Daniel Chismar. How's it going, Danny? It is going fantastic, Levy. How are you doing today? <laughs> Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Um, glad you are joining us again. Uh, the show is uh, somewhat better when you're on. Eh, I don't know about that, but we can keep it going. Okay, good. Um, so a little bit later, we'll be joined by Vice President of Operations at Tovar Snow Professionals, Tom Fitzgerald. And we'll have a nice talk with him about um, some ways to operate effective or operate ethically. Um, and then we're also going to talk about kind of our overarching topic of the show, and that is reciprocated loyalty um whether there's a lack of or an abundance of and so to go into that more what i mean is i think there's a reciprocated loyalty issue in between employers and employees see dan and i we come from a small city it was a factory city. So in the forties and fifties and sixties and seventies and even the eighties and portion of the nineties, um, you know, our town was covered in factories, factories for general motors and Chrysler and vehicle manufacturers. And back in the day, that was, that was what you did. You went to high school, you graduated high school, you took that diploma to the factory, and you got a good job. And, then, and it wasn't that you had to have the diploma to get in. You know, a lot of people had no diploma at all or GED getting in the door. But if you had that diploma, um, that really meant big things for you in the factory world. But... It, it was somewhere that you got into it, good starting wage, great starting benefits. Um, you had the backing of the of the union behind you. And it was really somewhere that once you got in the door, you didn't really have to worry about your career from that point. Um, everything was kind of taken care of for you. And... Me and Dan were kind of on the the end of the bubble of that of the factory phenomenon, um, and so we kind of slid into this kind of weird period of time in between factories and I guess the IT boom. Um, so you know, ten years before Dan and I are in high school we would have been groomed and told, hey, your future is with GM. Your future is with Ford. That's that's what you need to focus on. That's where the money's at. That's where the stability and the loyalty is at. Um, but those factories left. Those factories, they relocated. They moved. Some have moved out of the country in search of cheaper labor. They don't have to deal with the union anymore. Um, and when that happened, all of these small cities that were made by the factories, they shut down too, that they, they fell on really hard times. And in fact, you know, our hometown is still not recovered. Um, it's still going downhill and I think it's probably got quite a few more years of going downhill before it ever starts to recover. But that's just how important those factories were. And 
that relationship between the employer employee and the union it, it, it was a strong loyalty bond there you felt safe where you were working and so you fast forward a little bit and we're talking in the early 2000s Dan and I are in high school and we're told that we do you know factories not a good thing they've they've moved out that's not the route you should go anymore and again this is this is really just before the IT boom becomes mainstream so at this point you know unless you're really into tech really into technology um you're probably not thinking about a career in IT it's not something that was really pushed and dan what do you think do you remember what was pushed when we were in school uh retail really um that was yeah you heard that right retail retail was the answer uh as far as what you should do again we're talking non-college but that was the direction that we were told we should head in that we should run in as a matter of fact was retail dan sorry to cut you off go on no you're spot on um retail was where we were pushed to be that was the future um you were all i mean of course there was like medical field and stuff like that it's always gonna be there but yeah retail was that was where the future was supposed to be um it was booming when we were in high school. I mean, it was my first job getting out of high school was working as a retail salesperson. And that was where if you didn't go to college, didn't get a college degree where you were going to be able to build up and make big money and have a steady career. And that was somewhere too, that offered stability. There was still somewhat of a, uh, of a loyalty factor where, you know, if you gave yourself to one of these retail companies, again, just like you said, there was going to be a future there, right? Yeah, that's how it was presented. Um, as long as you were loyal to the company and worked hard, you would be able to move up to management and make really good money. I mean, I can remember companies like Sears and I mean, cause I was a lot, I was in more of the sales area, but yeah, no, I remember having friends that worked at Sears that were making really good money as just floor managers. Yeah, and now you look, and I mean, it's it doesn't feel like it's been that long. And I guess it's been twenty years, but um, but still, you know, you look at the landscape of what retail is now versus what it was, and it's you know, if, if you were to um, fall into a coma in two thousand four, two thousand five, and wake up to see what retail is nowadays. Um, you'd be in pure shock. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, retail doesn't really exist anymore. Um, Amazon's kind of taken that over, and even your retail stores are at the point now where everything's really focused on online sales. We know I'm I'm guilty of it. Um, I don't think I've actually been in the store to shop in a couple of years. I mean, grocery stores, but like to actually buy something like a television or just any kind of miscellaneous things I need. Like, no, I do all that online. Yeah. And I think that, you know, companies like Amazon have have made it so easy to get what you want when you want it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got options. Pretty much almost everything I try to order, I've got an option where it can be here by tomorrow morning or even later in the same day. I still live in a town of 12 people, so it takes at least three or four days for me. <laughs> so we look at, so again, retail was an option, uh, something where you could still find some loyalty. And we're talking not loyalty after working there for 10, 20 years. We're talking about entry level there, there being some sort of feeling of security there that if you, if you showed up, and you you did what was asked of you that things would be okay that you you know that would be a good place for you to work 
Um, but again, with the fall of retail, again, kind of left, um, left a void. And so you sit there and you look at other entry level type positions. I mean, you could go from retail to say maybe, you know, call center was an option. Um, but again, you know, how much loyalty did you feel, Dan, working at call centers? Uh, that's tough. I mean, there's loyalty in call centers. It's just such a miserable job that it's, that's one of those industries that if you show up, like you're going to get promoted because it's just so hard to keep people because nobody calls if they're happy. I mean, everybody's calling if they're mad. So it's just dealing with constant yelling and problems all day, every day. So it's a weird, I mean, the loyalty's there. Like if you show up, you'll get promoted and they'll take care of you. But it's just such a stressful job. Is it really worth the 14 an hour that you're going to make to stay there long enough to be able to make it to where you make some good money? So available loyalty to a special person that could sit there and would like that job day in and day out. Um, but still not likely a job for everybody. Yeah, no, I've managed call centers and yeah, I know it's, it's, it's not a job for everybody. Turnover. That, that's probably the highest. I, I bet that McDonald's has a better turnover rate than most call centers. Okay. So now moving ahead a little bit more, we get to where we're at today. And with COVID playing into things, um, you, you, you had the work from home boom. Um, you know, you, you had a lot of logistic, log, logistical issues, um, things that, you know, kind of exposed needs we have as a country and therefore open kind of a vacuum of, of job possibilities. Um, and really in the last couple of years, you've had in a lot of different industries, a period of time where, um, you could, you know, leave your job if you so desired and find another job with relative ease. Um, which again, you are our, the last episode we, we did, we talked about how hard it was, you know, for us personally, um, you know, around the area of 2015 ish. Uh, with, you know, what the economy was then, you know, trying to find a good job or just real, any kind of decent job. And, but now, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen this, um, again, just this atmosphere where if you're not happy somewhere, you can leave and find something else with relative ease. Um, but something that also kind of came from, from this same time frame is this idea that, Staying at staying too long at one job, that's viewed as that's viewed as being bad. Um, that somehow um, you're less if you're staying at a job. Have you have have you heard about this, Dan? Yeah, I've heard about it. Um, I've seen a couple of people. I mean, I've worked with some people that are that way. You know, hey, I'm going to take this position and have it for a couple of years, gain this experience, and then move on. Um, it's, there's a lot that it entails. Um, there's, there can be a lot of different reasons. I mean, loyalty has to go both ways. So it has to be employer based and employee based. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is right now. I, I, I think both sides of the coin really are kind of messed up on how they do the loyalty right now. Yeah. So, I mean, taking it, taking it further, I mean, what are things you think that an employer could institute if they don't already to really express, hey, you know, we're a company that um, is is going to be loyal to its employees? Um, training. Um, training and taking care of your employees. That's huge. Um, I've worked in a couple places that don't value training at all. And... I mean, you can't hold somebody to a standard if you're not willing to put in the time with them. Um, you should not only be, I mean, something I always viewed as management is that, you know, I, I should be training you to take my position if you're under me. I mean, that that's a way to show loyalty. If I'm showing you things, I mean, yeah, you've got to master your job, but once you mastered it, if I'm showing you something more, 
you know, that's going to show, Hey, I'm invested in you and, you know, I'm invested in keeping you and moving you up in the company. And I just don't think there's a lot of that going on right now. So from your point of view, if a company is willing to invest training dollars into uh, your betterment, um, that is still for their betterment. That's, that's kind of the ultimate sign of being loyal. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them. Um, taking care of employee welfare. You mentioned COVID and something that drives me absolutely insane. And it probably does because I'm a remote employee, so I get the benefits of it. But something that drives me crazy is like, once everything kind of died down from COVID and I know it's still going on, but like once things died down, everybody, a lot of that remote work went away. And it was like, hey, like, let's go back to the office. But there's so many studies that show that like people are more productive at home. You get a lot more work out of people at home. It's the opposite of what people thought. But it's just this old attitude of, well, you know, we have to have to have you come into an office. And that, it's just little things like that. You know, like if remote working is working, why bring somebody back into the office? Let them work remote. Yeah, and see, so my take on that is a little different. I, I agree with with what you're saying wholeheartedly, but I'll take it a step further and say that you know something else that needs to be considered uh, for employee betterment uh, is a reactive work week. Um, you know, having the ability to take a Monday through Friday day off. As long as you are getting everything done within the four days you're working, if you're able to accomplish what you need to um, in four days rather than five, and then you're able to take that fifth day off, whether it's a Friday, whether it's a Monday, whether it's, you know, maybe Wednesday or Thursday is a really tough day for you, um, you know, personally, you just got a lot of stuff going on and it would help you to not even have to go to work at all that day. Um, that's something, you know, I, I've been in the atmosphere, that environment before and the, the hustle, the drive, the motivation, it, it, it's, it's all through the roof. And I, I've got to point to, you know, uh, a reactive work week. People are refreshed and they're rejuvenated and, and they're, they're ready to go. And yeah, sometimes, you know, operational need might mean that you have to work five days that week. But I'm telling you what, if, if I'm in an environment where I can, you know, uh, have 40, you know, reactive work weeks out of 52, I'm a pretty happy employee. Yeah, no, that would be nice. Um, that would be something that would help tremendously. I mean, that's a motivation for the employee to be loyal to and to get their work done. Um, but really, it comes to training to me, man. It's really what it is. Like you can do things like that. If people are properly trained and expectations are set, like something that drives me nuts. And we both experienced it in our professional career is being with a company that has a million meetings. I mean, I, I've been, there's been times that I've had meetings from nine to five for five straight days a week, Monday through Friday to where I guarantee myself that I am working Saturday and Sunday because it's the only time I have to get anything done because I sit in meetings for, and you know how it is, and nine times out of 10, a meeting could be an email and it would, it would fix, I mean, it would give the same information, but instead we'll drag it out to an hour. Yeah. No, I mean the overuse of meetings. And I think that maybe, you know, um, remote work has kind of led a push for that some, uh, because, you know, teams meetings are so convenient and they're easy to set and, um, it's, it's just a nice tool, but, Again, you know, I mean, how many of those meetings, like you said, could have been emails, could have, you know, been a, a short phone call versus a meeting that involved everybody. Um, you know, it, it's tough to, you know, ha- be able to get your stuff done in a day um, if you're bogged down with, you know, like you said, just a, a burdensome schedule of meetings that goes on week after week. You know, it's, it's one thing if you got a rough week every now and again. I think we all do, but you know, to have that be your norm, um, again, it's just not a healthy, uh, healthy job flow, job function for people. No, no, it's not at all. And 
I mean, team's meetings are helpful, and they really are, and there's a lot of instances that they're good, but there's also a lot of, well, let's have meetings just to have meetings. Well, something productive is going to happen because I have this meeting, and I know we both set in so many of them that, you know, we're set and nothing happened. It's just a little bit of talk back and forth between employees, and an hour later, we've accomplished nothing. Um, the company's no better. The employees are no better, and... You know, it's just an hour wasted of the day. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's absolutely right. And again, you know, if you're if you're talking about loyalty, you know, it's, it's showing that employee that, you know, the, the time that they're giving you because that's that has to be so frustrating as an employee, especially if you're in a if you're in an atmosphere or an environment that that doesn't have a reactive work day. And so that nine to five schedule Monday through Friday, um, that company owns your time. And then when that time is then not respected, um, that's, that really kind of, you know, puts into a brighter light what the employer thinks of your time to begin with. And that can be, can be really tough. Um, to have that kind of a wake up call. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, no, that that's super frustrating. Um, it's, I mean, I've said it five, 10 times today, but it's happened to me before. Um, it, it's frustrating. Um, and just feels like a complete waste of time. And then, I mean, something else that kind of goes along with that, but Companies are just, and I don't want to like put all the blame on companies because it definitely goes with employees too. Because I know me and you have both had people that have worked for us that, you know, just don't care and aren't going to put an effort in. And so I don't want to feel like I'm picking on employers because there's definitely a, an issue with people too and their work ethics. But yeah, no, like something that I think has killed loyalty too is there's just no. There's no flexibility with employers anymore. Like if you don't fit where they put you, you're out. Um, that, that's the end of it. They're, they're going to move on. And that's why a lot of these companies, I mean, especially in our industry, there's there seems to be a decently high turnover rate there too, which is crazy to me because no matter, you know, it, it's all snow and ice, but each company does things differently and it takes so long to learn. But yet you have such a high turnover rate. Yeah, it's, and I think it goes back to your your earlier point about training. Um, to me, that that cuts down on your your turnover. Um, it gives you that higher percentage of retention when employees are being taught regularly and they're you know feeling like they're valued and feeling like their growth within the company is important. Um, that goes a long way and it really limits, you know, how much a person wants to leave. Um, cause it, it, it's usually if, if the thought of leaving is in your head, it's too late. Um, that idea is already there. So the, the concept is to prevent that idea from even happening. And I think that again, you know, if you, um, put enough of an emphasis on training and, and make that paramount within your organization. Um, it's really going to, you know, limit the amount of time one has to sit and, and ponder, you know, where's my place in this company? You know, it, it, is, is there a future here? And you know, again, I, I think it all just circles back to um, that commitment to training from an employer's perspective. You know, it, it just needs to, needs to be there. And I, I think that, um, can can be the difference maker in how loyalty is perceived at your firm. Now, here in a second, we're going to talk to Tom Fitzgerald about this subject too, and and kind of get his take. Um, but you know, before we do, just one last thought, and and you kind of alluded to it. You know, th this isn't a, a employer only issue. Um, this is very much an employee issue too. You know, you can't, can't complain about loyalty and, um, the, 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 and act like it's a one way street because it is very much a two way street. 
Uh, there are a lot of a lot of employers out there still that would like nothing more than you know you to dedicate the next ten to fifteen years of your life with them, and so that they can put that effort and put that training and and you know and and really treat you like family and um, commit to you as you are them. You know, the companies are still out there like that. It's just. You know, my point is it's just not as prevalent as it once was in this country. And so if you, if you find yourself at a company that, you know, you sit, you know, look around, and you're like, you know what? I could work here for a while. Do it. Do it. Um, don't fall into the hype of, you know, that you got to change jobs every couple of years to, to stay current and to make it look like, you know, you're, you're striving for something more. Cause that's, that's, that's bullshit. Um, you can you can put that put that effort in and and build something pretty cool um staying at staying at one place for a while but all right so we're going to take a quick break check in with the weatherworks team for the week ahead and hopefully they uh can tell us what's going on with the lack of snow um at least in the midwest uh we've it's been dry to start the uh, 2023 winter season. So uh, we'll check in with Weatherworks. And on the way back, we'll be talking with Tom Fitzgerald, Director of Operations for Tovar Snow Professionals. Thanks, Levi. I'm Michael Prianti, consulting meteorologist for Weatherworks and a producer of the Weather Lounge podcast. Today is Monday, January 9th, 2023. And just like what we saw later last week with a strong storm system impacting the California coastline, another one will be barreling toward the western coast today and into Tuesday and Wednesday, which will not only bring more rounds of moderate to heavy rain, but also strong, gusty winds and, of course, mountain snow. The Weather Prediction Center is uh, telling us that we're going to see as much as six inches of rainfall for parts of California, who've already seen several inches from last week. Now, with all that rain already in place and with the soils already saturated, it'll definitely produce the risk of more flash floods, especially near bodies of water, such as streams and creeks, even low-lying areas prone to flooding. As the motto says, turn around, don't drown if you come across a flooded roadway. Most times you won't know how much is actually on the road, and all you need is 12 inches of water to move a small car. As per the snowfall, winter storm warnings and advisories are already in effect for Northern California, Utah, and parts of the Western Rockies. Now, while only a few inches of snow are forecasted in spots, the higher elevations of California can see as much as two to four feet of that white powder. High wind warnings and advisories are also in effect for parts of California, where some could get as high as 60 to 90 miles per hour. Another big storm system on the way for the mid to later part of this week across the upper plains to the Midwest, where places could see our next round of snowfall. However, cities right along the 95 corridor from D.C. to Boston will unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you are favoring this winter, will see more of a soaking, mild rainfall. And while January has just begun, the new year is starting off on a mild note and we'll still be awaiting our first snowfall for parts of the Northeast. We'll just have to wait and see how the rest of the month unfolds. Levi, back to you. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today we have... Tom Fitzgerald, uh, Vice President of Operations from Tovar Snow Professionals, joining us today. Tom, how's it going? I'm doing really well. Good morning, Levi. Good to have you. I appreciate you being here. I know we took a few different weeks to try to make this happen, but working in the snow industry, there's always a little bit of scheduling conflict. So glad we got some calm weather. Yes, sir. All right. So... Um, I'm going to let Dan kick off this interview and um, start asking you some questions, and then I'll bring in some toughies for you here in a few. Bring it on. <laughs> hey, Tom. Um, can you give me the two-minute backstory of Tom Fitzgerald? Sure. Yeah, so I, I live in Chicago suburbs and always have. Um, the town I was raised in is Des Plaines, Illinois, and I live in Mount Prospect, so if you pop a map up, you'll see I've made it about seven minutes down the road <laughs> in these nearly 50 years on Earth. Um, married to Amy and two boys, Jack and Charlie. And, you know, like a lot of folks in our industry, you know, it, it, 
much or most of my success is is tied directly to that to that marriage. You know, the the Amy is uh, uh, is a snow widow and embraces it and has uh, you know friends in the community that are snow widows with uh, husbands in public works and at the airport and doing other things and. And uh, she's she's always given me the you know the space and the support to to pursue you know what we need to in this career, and then uh, uh, but it's not you know without a cost you know she challenges and holds me accountable to 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 you know pay that back and and always working hard at getting that right. But, um, that's me. That's me personally. Yeah, and that's something that's so important is having having the right partner. Um, to do a job like this, you got to have somebody's understanding of what, of what's going on. That trust has to be there. And, um, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, <clears throat> that's pretty awesome to think about. Um, and before Dan goes on, are you a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan? Uh, Northside Cubs fan. Okay. Okay. All right. In this town, we choose. <laughs> I'm a huge Cubs fan as well. Um, so tell me about Tovar. What makes it different? Uh, what makes Tovar different? So the um, the I'd point to Snow Focus, you know, uh, as far as a business, and then People Focus as far as a culture. So in in terms of uh, the business and Snow Focus, uh, Jeff Tovar, you know, founded the business and and like many or most started out in landscaping, uh, but but recognized a need and an opportunity to go to a snow only model, you know, and, and if we, you know, for folks that attend SIMA and, and are involved in the, in the industry, many or most know Jeff and know his story, you know, but he, he made the conscious decision to, to forego regular revenue for most of the year to go to a snow focus, uh, recognizing the, the, um, you know, how powerful, that focus could be if we provided the one thing. And uh, so, so uh, he did it as a grad school exercise and it turned into, uh, uh, it turned into a business and uh, changed, you know, sold the landscaping business and changed to a snow focus here 20-ish years ago. And, uh, um, uh, you know, put us in a place where the, the folks in the business had one thing to do. You know, it was to it was to set up for sell and execute snow removal, uh, and then uh, and then get squared up at the end of the season and get ready to do it again. You know, and there there are other pioneers in the industry who were doing that at a, the same time or or followed. You know, shortly thereafter, but but that that power of focus, you know, was was just uh, uh, that was the secret sauce for this business and for the people sure. in it. You know. Um, the people part, uh, the, the, uh, Jeff had, you know, set a commitment early on, you know, that, that it's a business made up of people and made up of team, you know, and, and there are, you know, you can invest in, in equipment and trucks and flashy lights and facilities and swag. And <laughs> there are lots of ways to spend money in this, in this life and in this business. Uh, but, but Jeff had, uh, uh, always focused on uh, people first and that that's uh, not just in in compensation and recognition but in in development and in ongoing education and you know and we've carried that forward and the 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 folks in our business um, uh, you know have often grown up in the business as part of the team you know, so so when I look around our business, that's now a national one. You know, the the folks that we have that are that are in leadership positions and and uh, you know significant roles uh, have held a number of different roles and have been on the team for a long time. You know, and and uh, and that that sort of continuity with the team and that ability for individuals to develop has been has been really significant. Um, Maybe pointing to one other thing that, uh, again, in that Jeff and uh, trailblazing mentality, uh, uh, here more than 10 years ago, Jeff committed to uh, our Tovar Way fundamentals, you know, which, which many organizations have, mission, vision, values, you know, those sorts of things documented. Um, our fundamentals, uh, uh, working with the team, developed those, uh, printed them, put them on cards, and and for years and years, we've carried those in our pockets and in our backpacks and briefcases. And, and we point to them, 
you know, and, and many folks have memorized them, you know, and it's hundreds and hundreds of words, but, but can refer to them at all times and in all, uh, and in all needs, you know, and it, it, uh, it really has helped to, to get the business and the people in it aligned and to keep them aligned. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. Um, culture is so important and <clears throat> it's kind of, kind of goes where I'm going to go next with questions. So I believe there to be a deficit in reciprocated loyalty between employees and employers. Where do you stand on this? Uh, so I, I, I believe that there is one as well. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I, I found it to be an interesting question, uh, Levi, the, the, um, cause I look at that transactionally, you know, so, so the, the relationship between an employer and an employee, um, you know, there, there could be a deficit in either direction, right? So it, so when you pose the question, I thought about it in total, you know, like, is, sure. there, is there something that's, you know, in our, in our society and in the workplace that has changed or has evolved here, you know, over time. And, and, uh, and I see it and I, I, I think I know where you're headed, you know, and that is the, the, that, you know, the, the, our parents and our parents' parents, you know, the honor, the, the opportunity and the expectation was, you know, get a good job, you know, and put your time in until, until, uh, it was time to hang them up, you know? So the, 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 you know, the 40 years at the factory or in the school district or in, you know, in, uh, you know, that type of an employer employee relationship, um, you know, and, and being raised by our parents, you know, there's opportunity to do something similar. And, and I think that that has changed, you know, there's, there's, uh, there are fewer roles where the, the, that's the expectation, um, uh, of the employer. I also think, though, there are the fewer employees that are seeking that out. You know, the 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 path is uh, is curvier. You know, maybe that maybe that it was a generation or two ago. Um, but but acknowledging that, you know, that that uh, you know, a really successful career path may have several stops along the way and have several employers. Uh, it creates a challenge for us, right? Which is, you know, if we have a 40 year relationship to work with, we're, we're in total, we're going to invest a lot in that person in those 40 years. We're going to build that sense of family and that, and that trust and that, you know, and, and tears will be shed the day that person retires. You know, if, if the same person now is going to make a half dozen or more stops along the way, we don't have the 40 years. We have two or three or five or eight, you know, so, so how do we engage and, and build that relationship and establish that trust and that loyalty in a shorter period of time, you know, and it's a challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where do you think something like company culture ties into this conversation? Um, with, you know, again, just employers creating a culture that is built to retain, um, rather than, you know, kind of, a um, constant turnstile. Sure. So I, so, uh, great question, you know, as for culture, knowing that, you know, the, the, there is more turnover, you know, and, and more turnover means more people joining and more people leaving. Um, and thinking about the, as an optimist, thinking about the people joining the, if you have a culture that's maybe really effective, uh, but it's quiet, that might not be good enough, you know, because you, for the people joining, you have a shorter window uh, uh, to capture them sort of get them engaged, have them really understand, you know, a, a drink the Kool-Aid, you know, is, a, is a phrase, right. And, and, and the, the, you know, if, if there are a lot of folks that have two to three year stops on their path, 
that means that that culture, it can't be quiet. It can't be understated. It can't be something they'll just come to know over time, right? It has to be a little louder. It has to be a little more direct, you know, and, and uh, so I'd say there's an opportunity even for companies with, with really great culture to make, to be proud of it. You know, don't give it time where, you know, new employees will find their way to it. Make sure that the culture finds its way to them um, um, intentionally and early. Because if somebody's going to make yeah. it a couple of years by six months, they're probably already sure looking at that next thing. Yeah, no, that's <clears throat> that's a great quote. Um, yeah, to, to bring it to the employee and to not let them try to figure it out on their own. That's awesome. Um, okay, so... In your mind, how does a company navigate operating ethically? Um, you know, being being a vice president of operations, I, I would argue that you know some of this falls on you um, for Tovar. You know, so how do you make sure that you know the your operations and how you navigate them is in an ethical manner? Sure. Uh, well, I would. Uh agree with you that that a good hunk of that lands on my shoulders and with my peers right uh, not just in the company but within the industry uh, the few ways to get there you know but significant ones are are to model behavior so so the way that we go about um, uh, not the few big decisions or big actions during the year, but the, but the dozens and hundreds and thousands of small ones, you know, small interactions, small decisions, small conversations, um, you know, do we lead with, is it the right thing? You know, and, and, uh, and, uh, if it answers that question positively, affirmatively, then yeah, you know, it, it, uh, and that can be applied to, you know, when I say small, like really small, you know, so in, so in a, um, you know, we, we have an opportunity with a driver, you know, where he might do something that's a little bit unsafe, but it's just going to take a sec, you know, <laughs> it's just going to take a sec and it's just this one time, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and we're balancing out doing the right thing versus convenience, you know, or doing the right thing versus ease and, and nobody's perfect. Certainly nobody on this call. You know, but but the more often that that we lead with doing the right thing in those little things, that's you know we 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 honor that kind of behavior within our teams, and it becomes and stays part of our culture. You know, and I go into the negative a little when we don't. You know, so if we're willing to compromise on those little things, it models that behavior for people as well. So, <clears throat> what you're saying is. You're so many things that we talk about, like happiness, um, that we, I don't know, society kind of refers to it as a destination, you know, like you need to get somewhere where you're going to be happy. Um, but to me, it's more of an ongoing journey. You have to make decisions every day that are going to make you happy. So kind of the same thing with operating ethically. It's not necessarily a destination where it's just all good, um, that you got there. It's, you know, your actions and, um, decisions on everything every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And I, I can think of cases, you know, where we're talking to a team member about a particular, you know, maybe a, uh, a proposed deal with a client, you know, or, or an issue around service or billing or something. Those things come up in our industry. Right. And, and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the resolution is and maybe the team member offers, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this as the solution, you know, and, and, pause, count three and say, all right, is it the right thing or some version of that, you know, and, it, and it, right. it's powerful, you know, and, and it, it, it will, uh, uh, almost always take you to the right and the right answer and the right resolution. And it, and again, just reinforcing people that do that a lot along the way, those little, those little small steps, you know, the, the sum total is operating ethically. And as far as developing people and developing team, it's an awesome way to get there. If you weren't working in service management, what would your dream job be? Uh, probably still in service management. 
but if the you know for some reason that was full on taken away, uh, the the I love 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 being outdoors and particularly on the water, you know, and and I'm not choosy about it. So uh, you know, I it uh, float in a kayak, you know, in the Gulf or you know some warm water destination and in salt water. Uh, we've taken a number of uh, trips to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota and the Quetico in, in Canada and just paddled a canoe and sort of disappeared a week at a time. And, and you know, but the running theme is I, I like being on and around the water and, and with people. So, you know, some type of some type of outfitter, you know, a, a, a guide or, or, you know, a fishing lodge or something along those lines. If if I could be on the water and, and still a chance to serve people, uh, uh, I'd be down for that all day. Our industry is really kind of a niche thing. What would your recruiting pitch be to bring attention to our industry? You know, I, I, um, I have a couple of elevator pitches, you know, for, for different things in life. And, uh, and I don't really have one for the, for the industry, you know, and I, and I, you know, I thought about this question a little bit, the, um, uh, where I've, where I've had success recruiting, you know, especially folks that made a, a full career change, you know, changed industries and came over to the good side with us. Um, generally, they, they're, they're folks that have, you know, they're wired correctly for this work, not for them, you know, as a matter of convenience, like need a job that, you know, but, but, but in there, you know, they have that, that first responders type mentality you know, and, and, uh, a willingness and not only a willingness, but like, uh, like, uh, they get excited about the opportunity to go help, you know, and to leave the comfort of home and family. And, you know, I've talked to groups in the past of, internally about Tovar people, um, you know, when, when most of society is buying water and, and, uh, and fuel and, you know, and getting ready to hunker down, you know, all of our actions are the opposite. We're buying things and planning and prepping to run toward the fire rather than away. And the, the, and honestly, I, in talking to folks, whether I'm at a dinner party or would be in the elevator or whatever, and looking for people that have that, you know, I, I think you're really wired that way where you run towards serving others, you know, rather than kind of hunker down and, and away from it. And, and um, to that end, Daniel, you know, if someone could be doing about anything, you know, they could be in hospitality, they could be in, you know, food and beverage, they could be a school teacher, they could be unemployed, you know, they, they could be doing about anything. But if they, if they have that sense of purpose and of service and, and kind of run toward helping others, this is a good industry for them, you know, and, and I've, so I've, I've looked at that in the past and had some success with it. Well, that's the best elevator pitch I've heard so far um, to answer that question. We ask a lot of guests that question, but that's, <clears throat> I like that answer a lot. All right. So just about to get you out of here. Um, one more question that we ask every guest um, that comes on the show. What advice would you give someone earlier in their professional journey than you? Is it okay to steal one or does it have to be original? <laughs> um, you can steal it. I don't care. All right. So it's, uh, uh, it's say yes, you know, and that's stolen, but, but the, you know, it applies, you know, specifically to my journey and others that I know. And it's, you know, it, it, uh, have the willingness to try new and different things, not only early in your path, you know, early in your career, but all along. And, uh, um, I say that it, it ties back a little bit to the loyalty conversation, right? You know, if there's, if there's a need within the business and you check several of the boxes and, and somebody looks to you or you recognize, Hey, this could be me, you know, bet on yourself, you know, like, like take on that thing that, that you got it half figured out and, and a little bit, you can fake it till you make it with some support and some love from the organization and from your peers, but, but having a willingness to, to take on something different and that's outside your comfort zone, but has, has real importance and value to the team and the organization is huge, you know, and, and, uh, and myself, I'm, I feel blessed 
because I've had the chance to do a bunch of different things that all kind of wrap up to, to a pretty well-rounded experience. And it allows me to be adaptable, you know, as, as the business evolves and changes. And, and uh, I just, I challenge people, you know, my kids included to do the same, you know, take on new and different things when presented. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's so important to be well-rounded um, to, to get to experience a little bit of life and usually makes, makes you a better employee, makes you a better everything. The more, um, the more exposed you are to different things. So, well, awesome answer, even though it was stolen. Um, Just the first part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, we really do appreciate you coming on, Tom. Love to have you back on at some point. Um, again, everybody, this is Tom Fitzgerald, Vice President of Operations for Tovar Snowman or Snow Professionals. Sorry. And um, but we will be right back to wrap up the show. So starting here, I think next week. Uh, we're going to be releasing the first episode of our second podcast. Uh, this podcast will be titled The Industry After Dark, and it's meant to be uh, much more lighthearted, um, funny, very down-to-earth, um, not PG at all, um, probably not very sober. It's just going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> that's the goal for that show. We're still going to have some guests every now and again on that show. Um, but a lot of us just going to be, uh, Dan and I, uh, talking smack and, uh, just, you know, talking about whatever we decide to really. So, uh, the industry after dark is very much a show built for us. Um, and we just hope that you like it. Um, so this show we do now, we both really like it. Um, but it's hard for us to stay serious because we're both seven years old. So we figure that the industry after dark will give us the outlet we need to be children. Dan, get us out of here. All right, Levi. Um, we have launched a new Facebook page. If you search the industry, you will find us on Facebook. Um, make sure you like and follow us. Also, we're always looking for new guests. We've had a lot of people from the management side of the industry. Um, we would love to get some providers to interview as well. So if you're interested, hit us up on that Facebook page. You can direct message us and we'll be able to get it set up. And as always, thank you guys for listening to the industry. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.